The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. After what can be described as another devastating weekend in the United States, more than 30 people killed combined in two mass shootings. Brad and I came back from the long weekend and we we felt kind of frustrated. I think that was the the general consensus because I I said on Tuesday, I feel like I'm saying the same thing all the time, but just putting in a different location and different numbers is essentially how I feel about it. And Brad and I decided we need to talk to someone else about this, an expert who might be able to provide us some foresight on what can be done about mass shootings. What is the solution here? So we welcome Michael Matthews, former Scotland Yard officer, author and public speaker to our program. Hi, Michael. How are you? Very good, thank you. Thank you for having me. It is our pleasure. So just to just to give us a bit of background, how long were you an officer in the UK? I was a police officer in London for about 21 years. Um, I spent 14 years in special operations and eight years at Scotland Yard. Um, and then I moved to Vancouver in Canada. What sort of work did you do in the UK when you were with both London and then, and, and then with Scotland Yard? What did your day-to-day job look like? It's quite varied. I mean, when I first started, I, I, I was a uniformed police officer like everybody else. Um, then I specialised. I became a firearms officer. Uh, not, not all cops in the UK carry guns. Um, but I, I joined a specialist unit that did. And then I became a detective and I worked in surveillance. And then I went to Scotland Yard doing special operations, doing um, quite sensitive work with Scotland Yard. Now, Michael, when it comes to... You mentioned that not all officers in the UK carry a sidearm with them. What is the reasoning behind that decision by police forces across the UK? Well, that's, that's, that's a historical thing. I mean, the police in the UK traditionally have never carried guns. I mean, in the UK, we have 125,000 police officers. And out of that 125,000, only about 6,500 are trained in firearms. And out of that 6,500, maybe only a couple of thousand will be carrying routinely. And that, that's mostly down to... Um, our strict gun laws. I mean, we do get guns in the UK. Gun crime does happen. But in fact, it's incredibly rare. Would you tie in those gun control laws to, to why it's so minimal there as in comparison to the US? Definitely. I mean, there, there are differences anyway. I mean, the US is a, you know, it's a gun culture. And the UK never has been. But back in 1996, we had a, a massacre where a man entered a school in Dunblane in Scotland and he killed 16 school children and their teacher. And that was in 1996. And after that shooting, the UK brought in some very, very strict gun laws, which banned handguns and automatic weapons. Um, And since 1996, there's been no mass shootings in the UK. So those strict rules definitely had an effect. Michael, for those that don't carry a sidearm every day, you mentioned only about six and a half thousand officers are are trained uh, using a gun. Did you ever feel when you weren't holding one that... You weren't as intimidating as the officers that did carry one? No, I mean, having a gun doesn't... I don't believe it makes a police officer intimidating. I mean, I carried a gun for a number of years when I was on a special unit, and, and no one was intimidated by the fact that I, had a, I carried a Glock on my, on my hip and we carried MP5s. I don't think anyone's intimidated by that. Um, and even when I was unarmed, I mean, I, I did go against people armed with loaded guns as an unarmed, unarmed officer. You know, we, we do have these situations... Um, but no, I, certainly, I don't think we intimidate anybody by carrying guns. What are your thoughts, and I'm sure that there are many, and they are range from general to specific, but what are your thoughts on what's happening in the U.S. with more shootings last weekend? You know, it, it, 
sadly, it doesn't surprise me. I'm sure it doesn't surprise many people. There, there's been over 250 mass shootings in America so far this year. I mean, yes, over 30 people were killed um, in the last few days in, the, in those two mass shootings. But in fact, since the start of this year, there's been over 9,000 gun deaths in America, obviously most of which we just don't hear about. And, you know, it, in some ways it, it, it irritates me because I spend a lot of time in, in inner cities in America, in Detroit, in Chicago, in, in, in um, Baltimore and these places. And I speak to the people there and they say to me, we suffer these shootings all the time and no one pays us any attention. No one cares. But as soon as there's a, a shooting in a school or a nice neighborhood or movie theater or a restaurant everyone talks about it what about us why does no one listen to us when we are dying in the streets and, and, I, and i feel that frustration people are talking about these these mass shootings but they're happening all the time it's just every now and again they grab grab the media attention but in fact people in the inner cities suffer this all the time and why is the gun culture so popular in the united states and has it always been that way have they always just you know touted it as something they 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 own they possess uh, they can use whenever they want however they want well, obviously not all, not all americans have guns but you look at the problem in america as you call it a problem for, for every 100 people in america there are 120 guns so you're looking at almost 400 million guns in the hands of civilians this is this isn't military or police this is just civilian held guns there's almost 400 million being held by people in america some people have none some people have dozens uh, and I know people have dozens of guns. Um, so it is part of their culture. And if you're going to... People talk about dealing with this problem of, of gun culture in America. How do you deal with it? Well, first you have to understand the problem. And I say the problem is there are 400 million guns in America. You don't, you don't get rid of them overnight. Uh, my, my personal view, if you're going to deal with this, is to start smaller. Bring in some laws about who can have guns, background checks, obviously. And small things like having safes in, in houses. In the UK... If you have a rifle or a shotgun because you're a hunter or a farmer, you have to, by law, keep that gun secured in a safe in your house. And the police come and inspect that every year to make sure it is kept in a safe. Now, in America, lots of criminals get their guns by breaking into people's houses and, and taking legally held guns. You also get this, this problem with kids who find family guns laying around the house. And, and sadly, they use them and, and accidentally kill themselves or kill a sibling. So I think just by having something small like a safe in the house where guns must be kept, that will straight away bring down some of the gun deaths and some of the gun crime. But, you know, that, that's a small, a small, a small start for a much, much bigger issue. I'm just trying to wrap my head around the concept of 400 million guns. Mm. That's... Uh, I don't yeah. need... Uh, it's can, unbelievable, isn't it? With, with, with that number is it possible for things to to change on the on the scale that it needs to as quickly as we need it to no i mean people talk about as soon as it's like say as soon as an incident like happens that grabs the media attention and people's attention it's things need to change and i will say people in the inner cities they suffer this stuff every day a couple of days ago in detroit there's a mass shooting where four people were killed a few days before that seven people were shot in a, in a playground in, in chicago no one hears about this stuff so yeah, how do you deal with it? You, you can't just get rid of all the guns. It's such a huge problem um, that just saying we need to bring in bans. I mean, after the, the, the shooting in Las Vegas, where, you know, the, the worst mass shooting in modern history in America, 58 people were shot dead. Over 400 were wounded. And the, the gunman on that occasion had 24 guns on him. After that shooting in Las Vegas, the only thing that changed was bump stocks were banned. And that was it. So when people say things have to change... 
things do happen, small things like the bump stocks. But i tell you what else happens. After the Parkland shooting in Florida in 2018, 17 people were killed. And a lot of, there's lots of anti-gun activism that, that came out of that. But what else happened was the uh, monetary donations to the NRA tripled. And after every mass shooting, gun sales go up. So people think you know, things need to happen, things need to change. Things do happen, but just not always what people expect. So in the case of Parkland, the money donations to NRA tripled and gun sales go up. Why, That's what usually happens. Why is there that connection? Why do people decide that, okay, well, 17 people were just killed. I may as well go out and get a gun. Is it, is it that they now suddenly feel unsafe or is there some other psychological factor that plays into it? I think, it's bit, I think it's a little bit of that. Some people feel unsafe and they want to arm themselves, arm their families. But also, from what, I, from what I understand, is people start talking about gun controls as soon as there's a mass shooting. And people start worrying that guns are going to be banned or AR-15s are going to be banned. And so they go out and they buy them before that ban possibly comes in. So there's a little bit of buying guns because people are now fearing for their safety. But it's also buying guns because people fear that the guns will be taken away from them. Michael, you've brought up Detroit on a few occasions right now, and you wrote a book titled American Ruin. What brought you to be interested in Detroit? What fascinated you about Detroit, and what did you learn? Who did you talk to during that time in Detroit? Um, well, I've been going to Detroit regularly now for about 15 years. I first went there so 15 years ago. Um, I was doing a big trip around America um, spending time with different police departments all across the country. And when I got to Detroit, it just struck me as being really the worst place I've ever seen. Um, it was just incredibly dangerous. Um, it has just fallen to pieces. Entire neighborhoods were gone. Um, streets were just nothing but burnt out houses. So I've been going there regularly, and I've always wanted to write a book about it. So for American Ruin, I went back and I got embedded with their gang units. And we patrolled some of them. In fact, we patrolled the most dangerous neighborhood in Detroit, uh, which saw, saw a lot of shootings. Um, and it, it, it's, it's fascinating me because it's so dangerous and because the cops that do an amazing job there um, in extremely difficult circumstances. They, they do what I call extreme policing. Um, they're underfunded, under, under-resourced, understaffed, and they're, they're working what I consider to be the most dangerous beat in America. Um, so for, for the book American Ruin, I was embedded with a gang unit and I spent a few weeks with them. And um, it really, you know, I, I say in the book, if you want to know about America, study Detroit. Because what happens in Detroit is what's happening all across the United States. The mass shootings, the gang crime, the gun culture is all right there. And it really, you can learn about the entire country just by studying Detroit. Could you share an experience you had in Detroit that, that sticks with you constantly? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was, I was out with... Um, a, a sergeant from the gang unit and another officer and we were just patrolling around and, and he was showing me some of the um, homicide sites he had been to and he, he took me to one where there had been a triple homicide but as we were outside the house and he's talking about this incident uh, a young man stepped out of another house and walked towards us with a gun and this man was a member of a gang he thought we were there to shoot up his house um, so he approached us with a gun and the cops I was with jumped out and they, they, they took him down to the floor and they arrested him, took the gun off him. Um, and it just struck me that here we are, just driving around a neighbourhood, and just like that, just because we pulled over and stopped our car, someone steps out of the house armed with a gun and approaches us um, to challenge us. And it just made me realise just how quickly something like that can happen in America. Just you're minding your own business, you're just having a talk, you're driving around, and suddenly you're facing someone with a gun. It is, it is quite shocking. And those officers in Detroit go through that every day. They must feel outmanned and outnumbered. 
every, every day. I mean, they, they are, and I mean this genuinely, the Detroit cops are just incredible because they are so understaffed and, and underpaid and underfunded. And Detroit is such a difficult environment to police. I mean, some of the neighborhoods have no electricity. Um, you know, it's at night, you're just driving around completely pitch black streets. Uh, and there's so few of them. And, and yet they, they, they come into work every day. And even one of the senior officers said to me, he goes, I'm just surprised they turn up for work every day. Um, and, and it is surprising, but they do. And they're doing an incredible job out there. Are there any rays of hope that you see, Michael, in your, in your <laughs> travels? Can, can we end on a, on a, on a positive note? Well, I think, you know, we, we hear about these shootings and how terrible it all is, but actually, the last couple of years, you know, homicide rates and, and shootings have actually been dropping, not in big numbers, and this happens throughout, you know, the years anyway, they go up and they go down, but at the moment they are actually dropping slightly, uh, what they have been. I don't know about how this year is going to pan out yet. So, Despite all we hear about mass shootings, um, it does seem like there's a trend for it to go down. But we have to wait and see. Yeah. That is the voice of Michael Matthews, former Scotland Yard officer, author of a book titled American Rune. And we sincerely appreciate you taking the time to chat with us, Michael, for this very compelling, very complex discussion. Thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure.